Welcome everyone. I see that there are a number of people still arriving, <clears throat> which is such a, a beautiful thing. Let's begin our sitting together to open that space for everyone's arrival. Offering our bodies to the moment and receiving these bodies in this moment. Sitting together just like this <clears throat> in our recent retreat, seeing and feeling all of you, I recalled a moment in which I was in a formal retreat. And during the silence and stillness of Zazen, um, my teacher Blanche spoke into the silence, into the space of the Zendo, and said very clearly and simply, open your eyes. Open your eyes. And I think that she was not simply referring to your physical eyes, of course.
sitting as opening. Sitting as this expressive embodied moment and receiving the world, expressing yourself in it, to appreciate your life and to appreciate the lives of those with whom you're sitting and all those you don't know. Opening. And not as a command or a should, but the natural unfolding that occurs along with everything else that doesn't feel like opening. We began to sense this opening to the fullness of the moment, which holds all of our contractions and fears, our sadness or grief, our irritations or angers, our joy, the, the beauty of our opening, all of it held. As we open to the unfolding of reality that's much bigger than our simple perspective on it. Our small, one-pointed, subjective experience of it. And yet here we are sitting in a body, and maybe it's enough just to follow the breath the rhythm of opening and releasing, receiving and releasing. Maybe that's enough. And if you would, let's recite the four practice principles to begin in an order that's a bit different than the way we normally do. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, 
holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. I'm actually surprised to see so many of the Sangha members from the UK with us. We just completed our retreat yesterday and it's quite early there. So I'm impressed uh, that you're back. It shows some dedication, of course, oh, or foolhardiness. <laughs> Uh, but I, it's really wonderful to welcome all of you, all of you. And as almost all of you know, because you've been, um, you've been connecting for a while now, I have, I've been inviting and encouraging this uh, kind of a flowing rhythm of ancestors and current living bodhisattvas <laughs> these past few weeks and months primed by uh, the ceremonial aspects that I was engaging with with Peg and others around Dharma transmission which continues and I wanted to honor the teachers that had come before me and honor the teachers that are at my side and coming after me and so I've enjoyed that that rhythm, which will continue. Peg will be with us next next week, because there was there was kind of a beauty, I think, in the weaving and folding and infolding and embracing of each of these lives, uh, each of these ways of expressing the Dharma, each of the vessels that, through which the Dharma moves. And over the past two weeks, um, having led retreats in um, the Open Door, uh, or sponsored by the Open Door Sangha in Madison, and then the Just This uh, consortium of, of um, Sanghas in the UK, we were deepening our, our uh, understanding of a piece by Dogen called Continuous Practice, The Circle of the Way. And this circle and this continuous practice is, of course, what both transmission and relationship and this unfolding really points to. So I wanted to bring it forward to those of you that may not have been in either of those retreats. And the retreat that preceded that with the Awakening Together a group in the Twin Cities um, did also focus on this, the embracing qualities of relationality in the precepts. It's all one, one teaching really, but I've, I've come off of those full three weeks with so many of you. Um, but I wanted just to spotlight just for a moment a few of these teachings for our inquiry today and for your own reflection and deepening and maybe your questioning about this circle of the way and something that I learned by offering it. The entire piece by Dogen is probably a page long, three very long paragraphs if you, if you want to say it, but I'm going to read just um, three sentences that begin the piece because as Dogen often does, he kind of wraps up the whole thing in the the first few words and then it goes on here these are his words on the great road of buddha ancestors there's always unsurpassable practice 
continuous and sustained. It forms the circle of the way and is never cut off. Between aspiration, practice, enlightenment, and nirvana, there's not a moment's gap. Continuous practice is the circle of the way. On the great road of Buddha ancestors, it's kind of a beautiful image. Uh, as if there's a road humans have walked, these wonderful women and men who've carried forward the Dharma. But really, of course, it's not an actual road. The great road of Buddha ancestors, he says, there's always unsurpassable practice, continuous and sustained. It's like a mighty river that continues no matter what. But it doesn't form a linear line. It's, it's the circle of the way, like your breath. And it's never cut off. And then he names what looks like a linear thing. Aspiration, desire to come to practice. Practice, our engagement. Enlightenment, some sort of fruit. And nirvana, ultimate freedom, what appears to be some linear thing you can line up. There's not a moment's gap. This continuous practice is the circle of the way. And there's much that, that we could say about this. But over the, the past many months, I hope that we've learned that the physical separation that we've endured and continue with in some ways doesn't necessarily mean being cut off. Even if, for example, this way of connecting isn't ideal or your preference. And even if we couldn't do this, practice would not be cut off, but our separation even. It's not actually cut off. In some ways, it's expanded. And I wonder, can you feel that our conscious intention and our embodied longing for loving connection actually reflects the unbroken circle of continuous practice? That's how we know it. And our awareness then, you know, places kind of a spotlight, as I said, on our everyday commitment to living wholeheartedly, no matter the circumstances. And that's how we know it's uh, real practice. It's not dependent on circumstances. Even in the face of these very painful limitations, our separation, our practice continues to support our vow to serve each other and protect each other. It's the kind of vow that sometimes we see faltering in our culture that we maybe sometimes don't see that everyone is quite aligned with serving and protecting, but it's still our vow and without many people, we're not special, but, but we are never cut off no matter the difficult experience we face all around us and no matter what painful personal perceptions, you know, judgments and things arise in response. Meeting here, like this, and the virtual, or clouds into diligently coming together and practicing, bringing along with us everything we've learned in this time of the pandemic, our deepest aspirations for continuing our lives together, even so, we enact, this is our enactment of continuous practice. What you see in front of you with all the little squares is the great road. It's the circle of the way. And one thing that I've been impressed with and just really moved by is that this weaving um, and folding and infolding and embracing isn't just something that we feel personally or something in our mind, or, but it's actually among all the sanghas. because they're links in this unbroken chain of connection. And this has really become more tangible. It's right now, as you see, if, um, if, if all the squares suddenly changed into squares that demonstrated 
location. It'd be this beautiful chimeric map of the world. And each one, each Sangha, is a kind of like its own family, you know? Each one, because I know because I've been part of every one of them, each one has its own arc of development, its own unique story, its own narrative, full of all these unique people. And, and like in a family where each person, you know, has their own interests and their own capabilities and their own personality, <clears throat> but yet they're this, members of the same family. And so each Sangha has its own, its own flavor, its own taste, if you, if you want to say it that way. Yet they're all of one taste. All of the Apamada family, all of the Buddhist family. And so like each person in a vibrant family, each expresses itself together as a way to find our way forward along the great road along the circle of the way. So given this as background, the, one of the deep questions is, what is it that is embraced by the circle of the way? What's held? At the end of another piece by Dogen, which we've alluded to, the four embraces, in which he, he teaches on offering kind speech, harmonizing conduct and intimacy action. Um, at the end of this piece, there's this amazing line that just says, embrace within embrace, within embrace, within embrace. As if we understand that embrace, there's one embrace. But what is it that's embraced? And the other allied question, and this is an important one for our practice, what is left outside if everything isn't embraced? And even more to the point, who is left out? Because, and now, <laughs> this is like sending you a text with all caps. <laughs> if anything or anyone is left out, or left behind, it is not true practice. Instead, it's something based on a personal or maybe a group choice or preference. We'll take this and that, but not. And sometimes it's quite intentional, but many times it's unintentional because it's unexamined. It's held sometimes explicitly, but often implicitly. And these distinctions are artificial, deeply held often, especially if they're associated with some unexamined delusions. Sometimes it's just simple ignorance when it comes to things like race and class and other things. But almost all of it, once these distinctions begin to reveal themselves, are based in fear. And the greater the fear, and the greater the unconsciousness, we're not attending, the more this leads to what we see in the world today as willful ignorance and violence. So this is important and practical. And I wanted to say just a couple of other things which came to me powerfully through some of the work we did um, with the Open Door Sangha and then um, further with just this. I was reflecting on the, the circle of the way being uh, somewhat like a spiral, which is not new, that's um, a common way of thinking it. That the circle of our practice always deepening down into the shadowy human world where we sometimes may not want to go. And at the same time, at the very same time, turning, turning upward into the light world of freedom. But it's continuous. Although 
we may not, may not be continuous. The Dharma doesn't falter. We falter. And then get back up as we navigate the great road. Over and over. Breath by breath. And so I began to think this, this is another way of speaking about the double helix of maturity that I've taught everywhere for a long time. This growing up, personal development, waking up, our spiritual development, and how inextricably they're related, and how they're about relationship, and how that it moves in the service of maturity. And that's a whole other bit we could go into. But, but studying and practicing with this piece by Dogen and looking at some of the issues we were uh, addressing, especially with the Open Door Sangha in terms of uh, racial justice, it reminded me that it's important that it isn't just growing up and waking up. It's also growing down into greater intimacy with the depth of our animal embodiment and waking up down into the depths of endarkenment, the, sh the shadowy world only dimly available to our everyday consciousness. And then there's the growing, not just up or down, there's the growing outward and waking outward as well. The inclusiveness, the vast, that this field of benefaction, the inclusiveness of family, community, and the larger social world, and the planet, and its magnificence, and its suffering. So we open and encircle and include through our practice larger and larger container for life, energy to flow. And I think that it is felt as a deep appreciation you know, maybe suffering is a word that we use that describes a break in continuous practice, a perceived break in the circle of the way. In fact, some of you who have done temple practice um, more formally, and I know most of you haven't, but for example, when Peg and I were training, we would chant many things in Japanese in um, old, old temples, and it's very monosyllabic. Like in the Heart Sutra, be kanji, zai, bo, satsuki, ojin. And one of the things that the teachers would say is, you know, you have to take a breath sometime in this, but because there are many people in the room, no one takes a breath at the same time. So it's continuous. When we walk in Kinhin and the Zendo, you know, we stand up, we look, and we position ourselves so the distances are equal, and then we walk together. It's different than walking meditation. You can do walking meditation alone. Kinhen, you can't. This is something we're, because it's a continuous circle. It's embodied in our Zen practice. It's one of the beauties of it. But then I got to think even further, can this really be broken? Because Dogen says it's unbroken. This is a much bigger question. I, I said the other day, you know, on the surface, our practice so this is the thing a Zen teachers are not supposed to say. Our practice in many ways is pretty boring and sometimes difficult, but without continuity and relationality, there's, there's no beauty. And maybe that's an unusual way to say it. There's no beauty without the continuity and relationality. There's no intimacy. It's only felt as boring if it's held up as some, you know, instrumental activity or tool we're going to be using for personal gain and evaluating it like, well, this is not so good because I kind of wanted this and that. that. That's not what practice is. Practice is to help us find the shape of reality as it unfolds relentlessly and to accord with it, to move with it together. And you are shaped by the practice to be an expression of ultimate reality in embodied form. We say boundlessness is form, form is boundlessness. This body, this human animal is expressing the ultimate. And how is the ultimate expressing itself in our form? 
So, you know, the only thing that is continuous is true practice. But like a, like a generator that you have to get going in order to like light up a bulb with electricity, the activity of our practice brings that light. Our, the activity is the gen that brings the light. It's the lived activity of Dharma, which is your practice and my practice and our practice together. So this was a shift in perspective for me and a shift in perspective, I think, for folks in the, in the retreat. <clears throat> but the shift in perspective is, I think what's maybe, maybe I'll say it this way, that what's usually been called enlightenment or awakening is basically a profound shift in perspective everything looks different when that eye is opened it's not ontological that word that means you know you like become by this practice you don't become someone else or some other kind of being everything is right here from the start but with your with opening your eye of practice everything looks different and that shift in perspective is everything and that's what we're practicing with and for. And maybe what undergirds the, the concept of maturity that I'm speaking about in the double helix. I'm not using it as like a, a word that's judgment, like you're immature or... It doesn't mean that something's lacking. Or there's some you know distant, better goal reached through practice. It's, it's more like or you might think of as the unfolding of a flower in a garden or the growth of a tree over time. It's life fulfilling itself naturally, always, in all of its forms. And in the process, coming to appreciate this as a radical shift in perspective. So that in many ways is kind of a, a recap of some of the essentials that we touched on in these these recent retreats. And I thought maybe I would offer it to you and also re-offer it uh, to those who have heard it recently or some of it to see what it nudges in terms of some of the edges of your perspective about your life and about practice, about care and about inclusion and who we include and what we include and what we exclude and what we leave out. So please raise your hand if you have comments or questions so that we can, we can engage the thing that, that makes <clears throat> this practice so unique, which is you can't do it alone. You can study Buddhism alone. You can meditate alone. You can do all those things alone. You cannot practice Zen alone. It's profoundly relational, not conceptually, in, in your body. Hence, the way we chant, the way we sit, the way we bow and respond to each other, the way we walk. You actually can't do Zen alone. You, you can study Buddhism and meditate and all that stuff. So, let's hear from you a little bit. I always takes a moment for the first person to come forward. And then you start tailgating right at the end, you know, bumping up against each other. Oh, my dear Kathy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> well, <clears throat> glad to be here. Not surprising. Um, your speaking is bringing up uh, something I've been struggling with um, in my, I'm going to break my own anonymity, 12-step uh, work. <laughs> um, that you know in 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 the fourth step we're asked to um look at our part in things and um oral inventory huh? yes um and i've had it also said look at how you put yourself in a position to be hurt uh instead of what did you do wrong because that really you know but what i'm finding is i know that freedom is on the other side 
of finding out, you know, what my part was or what, you know, but I'm also realizing that no matter how much I want to do it, there's, I get to a certain point and then my brain just goes, nope. Like it's an old pattern of denial or the, the, you want to do it. What is the it that you uh, think that is to um, really understand what's bugging me about this and um, what, you know, what am I holding on to, you know, the resentment um, and why, <laughs> but I've had this experience throughout my life and I, and I, it's a survival technique. I know I learned at a young age, but um, that I get to a certain point and then it's like, nope. Like even if I really want to, and I really am, you know, wanting to get to the other side of whatever it is I'm looking at. Uh, I don't know how to change that pattern. And I, well, actually, you you know the you know what will do it because you're doing it right now, and that is bringing yourself forward with others, like you would in a meeting or like you do here. Or because in that program, I think you get the same message, don't you? That you can't do it alone. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and that's. I think if, if, if I can say this about our background, some of it got put in place because of aloneness. Right. Um, it's not that our parents didn't love us and, and not that we had a terrible childhood and all that, but there were places in which there wasn't someone to turn to, to know So we had to try to navigate it ourselves or with whatever we had around us. Mm -hmm. So for you to step forward with others, uh, not only to receive whatever you're going to get in recovery, but also help another person and what you're doing right now by stepping forward. And just, we, we say um, in our liturgy, there's a thing about um, avowing the confession is to admit who we are, not to say we're terrible. And it's exactly in accord with num uh, with the fourth step and the, and the fifth, of course, which you get somebody involved, you know, say, this is me. I'm willing to look at me. At that edge where you stop, that's where you need another person to ask you, to nudge you, to help you, to touch you. I, I don't think we can go past those horizons without a little help. Right. I don't know if this is helping, but. No, it is. And I, I've been starting to speak it when I realized like, oh, I literally can't do it even as much as I want to, or at this point, you know. And then the question, if, if we were doing, we were going further into it, I'd say, okay, where did you just stop? What, what happened? What happened in your body? What, what, because you're telling me, you know, you just shut down. Right. What's the, what's the sensations? What, what's, what's happening? Don't try to figure it out. That's where everything goes wacky. But it will, it will, it will come out if you just start noticing what's happening in your body. Mm -hmm. That's the other piece that you began to close off. Right. Okay. And it's an interesting point. And thank goodness you and I can talk. Which we've been doing more and more during yeah. this time. Shared experience of history really helps. <laughs> yeah, somebody knows what you're talking about. Yes, like really. <laughs> really knows. So yeah, I was definitely like Okay, here it is. Uh, I'll raise my hand. Thank you. Yes. And another piece to take away just to think about is the part of you that starts to go, you know, get to know her and appreciate her for how she's helped you. But with that connection, she might relax a little bit and allow your true self to come forward a little more. Right. How do I show her the safety that Right. That, that we now have. <laughs> That's right. That you, that she didn't have earlier because now she has you, which she didn't have before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We have Catherine next. Family Dharma here. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. It's good to see you again. Good to see you as well. 
You hear the so, same old things. Sorry? You hear the same old things. <laughs> yes, over and over, and we need to hear them over and over, or at least I do. I need to say um, that over and over. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just wanted to explore something a bit with you, which was that on the retreat, I found that Hilda, my Hilda part, was kind of going a bit bonkers and getting very agitated. And um, I realized that Hilda really believes that unless she stays very close to the ground, <laughs> i.e. practices about walking on the ground, feeling your feet, washing the dishes, doing the next thing, doing the next thing, and stays really close to her shadow, which it's taken a long time to admit to and bring in into consciousness and, and so on. That actually she's quite scared of the the part of the spiral that's going upward into the light and gets agitated and actually kind of really deeply believes that kind of a lot of hot air. It, this is what she seems to really believe. And I've realized that uh, how much Hilda is, I, it's obvious, she's a big part of me, and but she's limiting me because mm -hmm. she's afraid. Mm -hmm. So she's afraid of what I've said, losing contact with reality, with the ground and with the shadow. So I found what you said about the double helix stretching down, you know, it, it, it's it's burrowing down into the shadowy world of human messiness, which I know my own messiness or some of it, and you know, it's really important that it that it is going to include that. And you said that it obviously it spirals up into freedom and the light. And I wondered if you could just say a bit more to me about it. Because I think you get what I'm saying about this limitation that uh, I've realized. Huh? Yeah. I, I had the oddest thought, so I'll just tell you what it is. Yeah. Not that it's the exact comment on what you're asking, but. Mm. I thought because of your background, because your father being a minister and all that, mm -hmm. isn't it odd that Hilda's afraid of heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is that? It's going to turn out to be a trick. <laughs> right, right. And it's full of judgment. Yeah. It's not going to be freedom and light it's going to be some trick yeah because she's yeah. she still carries in her body that message which there there were tricks there were untruths and there were confusions and you can tell she's frightened by it and people would say oh, why would you be frightened by freedom well it didn't seem like freedom no no, no. yeah and so I'm here to say <laughs> there is such a thing as a release and lightness and freedom. But that's also why I said you don't become like this better version or you don't become a unique kind of individual. No. You know, uh, she can rest easily and her embodied impermanence, you know, just everything that we are. Mm. And she can enjoy the garden and the sky and the rain and yeah. light touch and gentleness and that's enough you know the all these exaggerated things may not be um, she was very wary of those stories because they hurt yeah she felt very wary of the per when the person in our retreat was speaking about their breakthrough experience she got really really agitated and wanted to believe that that person's experience invalidated her. Yeah. And I can 
can really see through all that, but there's something still so you, troubling in it all. You have the insight, but now it's just to turn towards her. Like I was saying with Kathy, you have to relate to her because that's the place where it will make a difference. The insight gives you the perspective shift, but it doesn't make the embodied shift. And to sit with her and listen to her fears and help her understand that some of the things she was told weren't accurate and nothing magical or strange. There's no trick here that you're going to make sure that she's not tricked. Yeah. <laughs> and if she's afraid a trick is happening, she can always speak up. That that's welcomed. That yeah. also wasn't welcomed. Yeah. 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 And she yeah. can, you can, she can always come to me. Oh, that feels, yeah. That was a powerful one. Yeah, because there's a belief that she shouldn't bother people too much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay. She can always come to me. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, let that settle. Beautiful, Catherine. Thank you. Hello, Alistair. Lynn. Um, I'm, I, I've, I've, I've put my hand up really just to say thank you for um, of course. the retreat. Uh, I didn't get to say thank you <coughs> to anybody uh, yesterday, and I know there's a few tales of folk that were part of organizing it, um, including yourself. So I'm, I'm just, yeah, bowing down to the my appreciation. Um, Thank you. I, I, I experienced it. <clears throat> I was, <clears throat> I experienced it as fiercely humbling. That's how it was. That was the kind of phrase <laughs> that was left in my heart near the end of it. Um, and uh, I couldn't participate in all of it um, because I, I, I was quite ill with a very bad cold. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why I'm not at work today. Otherwise, you'd see me more on Tuesdays. But yes. I, 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 I practice on the Tuesday counseling Buddhists in Manchester. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's that's how come uh, I don't see you much on a Tuesday. And um, as uh, you were speaking, Catherine and um, uh, others, and also when you were talking about the embodiment of Zen and um, it being a relational practice, and I mean, I know you appreciate that I have a, I have a taste of that. And um just to share my appreciation on that kind of tangle of trying to translate that into everyday secular life um and yeah just that tangle yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, remember the phrase i use how simple are you willing to let it be yeah. <laughs> simple yeah yeah, there's, there's, there's many parts of me that, uh, young parts of me that I'd, are attached to the tangle, I think, yeah? Oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. attached to the dopamine as opposed to the love, yeah? That's, remembering that maybe you weren't there, one of the talks I gave, I, I spoke about one of the side roads of, to the right road, is that in our culture, at least Western culture, we elevate excitement over intimacy. Mm -hmm. Keep things going, busy, you know, this, instead of resting in, in the moment. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so take yeah. that with you also. Yeah. And, and thank, thank you for your, thank you for your gratitude. Yeah. It's received. And to all those to whom it spreads out in the Sangha who helped. Have Cheska next. Okay. Hello. Good to see you on retreat. Yeah, it was. It was meeting for us. 
Oh, it was it was such an amazing experience, and I'm, I just wanted to come up and share some of the. I had several really what what felt like really important shifts during the retreat, and um, one one of them was in practice discussion with Lynn. Something you know, I've had this kind of d discomfort around that I really wanted to have a local sangha, but. Mm -hmm. The, the sangha of, of local people that I that I do sit with weekly, there there's only one other person in the group who's who's aligned with Apamada, and um, it's, it, somehow it just felt okay. Against <laughs> some, it just settled that yeah, this is this is a sangha, and and this is a sangha, and and it's really okay to. Yeah to have both it's like there's no there no there's no conflict so that that was nice i mean it's a no-brainer but well, but it's been a little sticky for me makes a difference yeah mm. um and and the that thing about maturity being not just human maturity of being grown up and responsible and all of that but but actually each each thing realizing itself and yes. and um that's actually that's actually what i'm exploring in my photography is mm -hmm. it 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 real the flower there's a sprout and then it blooms and then it fades and then it crumples and decays and all of that is is it it's all it and yes. then it becomes food for something else and and it, there's no end point. There's no end point of that process. Your botanicals really show that beautifully. Mm, 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 thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. So that that was it. Was nice to just hold that in that concept of maturity. But I think the most profound thing that happened for me was Trudy um, said this thing about putting her hand on a tree. And 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 having the impression that the tree likes it, and I couldn't be there during the day on Monday for the last day of the retreat. Although I was there in the evening, um, but sitting on my own, suddenly I realized, oh, it it likes it. <laughs> it um, so often I've I've felt like I wasn't really feeling the benefaction of I was I was I was feeling the formless field. But I wasn't really feeling the benefaction, and and I, uh, I mm. kind of got it in my unsentimental way that I'm just putting my hand on the mystery, and it likes it, and that was just delicious. Because it likes you. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll feel it. Like the, the contact, <laughs> because you, your activity is what brings it. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I can see how touching that is. Literally. Yeah, it really just changed. Changed. I always loved zazen, but I really love it now. <laughs> Thank you. And also, I want to uh, acknowledge you as one of the people who took this practice in the the south of England and really carried it early on mm. for us. And I really appreciate that. And I wanted to say that more publicly. Oh, thank you. How much thank I honor you. you in that way. It's. All thanks to you, really. Together, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I'll just do a very quick round here, following on the steps of Kathy and Catherine's comments, and really everybody's. Um, I'm so grateful for the experience the experience of the circle of the way that we underwent at our retreat that's been flowing both before and after. I have been waiting to take a booster, my third booster, having had some pretty untoward uh, side effects from the second one. And it was supposed to be this morning, and then I found out I had the wrong date, and it's tomorrow. And I had been doing all this worrying about it, and having this body stuff of really not feeling good, but this time tried to pay some attention to it. 
and realize that, you know, I want I want to do the practice, and and I said to myself, so what is my practice? And realize that my practice is I, I want to be present with this, and it um, it felt like being in the circle of the way. It feels like a, a merry-go-round in the most wonderful way because I loved merry-go-rounds as a child, where all you do is you just simply step onto it, or step back again. You're never off of it. You just couldn't see it. And I just wanted to share, I'm not sure that this, this experience would have come about this morning had I not been wrapped in the, the robe, the robe of the circle. So I just wanted to thank you and everybody that's here today and in all of our retreats and all being. And I will close with that. Beautiful. Constantly holding and unfolding. You know, in these last few minutes, I think what I'd like to do is um, just offer you something as a very short kind of benedictory, kind of a meditation, a little pointing out. And then we'll, I'll ring a bell and we'll go to the uh, verse of the robe uh, for our completion for today. So if you would just uh, kind of let yourself settle into a moment of zazen and just Receive these words, your body open, your eyes open, your pores open, your ears open, as best you can. Just once again, taking a moment to settle. We know that our personal effort and our shared efforts are necessary for practice. It's true. But not to purify or repair or gain anything, really. You just open your eyes and your heart body and your mind to the simple and profound truth of your life, what it means to actually be alive. And the awesome, inconceivable web of existence in which we shine for just the briefest moment and into which we all ultimately return. And as this shift in perspective unfolds, it invites a swell of gratitude. As this reality reveals itself along with a deep humility and surrender that goes beyond any words. Because the understanding of our frail limitations our smallness, and at the very same time, our absolute essentialness in it all slowly comes into view. For most of us humans, this is a seismic shift in perspective. And yet having done so, you know, we've gone nowhere. And we remain completely maybe more completely ourselves than ever. Just from this simple shift in perspective. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. I realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, 
wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. so much. And I'll hand it back over to Maria. It's a beautiful day to be with you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Flint. Um, and Appamada's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. And it really does make, a, make such a difference. If you'd like to contribute, please do go to the website I'll just put it in the chat there for you at apamada.org forward slash contribute. And here you'll find an opportunity to offer dana to teachers such as Flint and Peg and other teachers, as well as for classes and practice discussions. And please do take a look at the website because there is some wonderful offerings on there. And thank you so much, everybody. And we now move on to the next part of our morning, afternoon and evening where we continue to meet and share on the virtual porch. So please do come along and join myself and others if you would like to continue to connect. And thank you so much, everybody, for creating this space. Thank you.